since the days of old when the prophets told of a, of a king who would hold the government on his shoulders and milk and honey in his hands. The chosen race, adorned in white lace for centuries past her wedding day, waits for her faceless groom. The Messiah her grandparents swore would soon topple the empire and finally deliver the white picket fences from Father Abraham. Long lay the empire in a peace that required legions and lances and arrows of fire. Long lay the world with battle flags unfurled. The everlasting hills groaned with the agony of war and famine and hope deferred. Creation remembers a fire, now embers, where family members were supposed to gather around, feasting on roasted marshmallows and fresh fruit from the tree of life. And best of all, he would be there with them at their garden party. Those far-off pictures are eclipsed by solid fixtures of sadness and tricksters, shuffling thrones like shells over, over one elusive ball called deliverance. So, with limp expectations and weak incantations, the world goes to sleep again and dreams of nothing except mourning. Christmas time in when uh, Danny was just a baby, first year of his first his first Christmas. We were waiting on God in a cabin in northern Minnesota, and I was um, came out of the military and wasn't sure what to do and went got a job in a restaurant for a while. And I knew that wasn't what was going to fulfill me. I knew there was a call of God on my life, so we went to this cabin to wait on God, to, to receive his call, to receive that, that commissioning, that direction of where he would have us to serve. That was, uh, that was one of the most memorable Christmases for us. We started doing foster care in 2000. We had Brandon, Bethany, and Michael. And one of our first kids that came to us was Charlie and Sierra. God started chasing us in reality. That 
was, uh, we'd be driving somewhere, and here's a billboard that says, Adopt or Foster a Child. They go, yeah, sure, whatever. Go to the movies, Adopt or Foster a Child. Okay, fine. you to sing along with us in this carol. Sin and error, grief and terror grip the image bearers of the Prince of Peace himself 
and the angels all wince at this new normal. They surround his throne, begging that he alone would call his faithful home or else get down there himself and do something. But his ears are attuned to the the prayers of two aged prophets who still see visions of a coming king. Anna and Simeon stubbornly sing with wrinkled lips over incense wisps. Their whispered melodies insist that that the jilted plots of the, 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 the violent progeny, that the prodigals plotting their recompense, that the unbroken strings of brokenness would all themselves at last be broken, that he would finally come and take his throne. Anna, she weeps. Simeon keeps the incense burning if just for another day unless their strength finally falters and their heartbeats give way. Not today. Not till we've seen him. Dear God, not today. I used to look into my own eyes in the mirror and wonder, what is the point of my life? I can't just have appeared here for no good reason. I have to have something bigger than just trying to live each day. And I wanted to know my purpose in life, and I knew it had to be to help others to, to like, something bigger than just me. And so, as I went through my life trying to be strong, I made a lot of mistakes and looked for love in all the wrong places. There was an emptiness always, always a sense of, this isn't working, but it's all I know to do. I'll just keep trying. And it never worked. We were waiting on God in a cabin in northern Minnesota. And... Uh, we ran out of money, we had no food, a car wouldn't start because it was 40 below zero, this is when the snow was up in the windshield, and I had no gas in the car because it also wouldn't start. Danny was sick and we had nothing and he got sick, had a temperature of 105 and a half, and he was dying. And so, this Christmas time, I needed not presents, I needed God to do something that was miraculous. Charlie was Charlie and Sierra were to be easy kiddos, great ones to start with, kind of get us in the door on how to do foster care. And um, Charlie stopped breathing that night um, six different times. And the next morning, I went to DHS and I said to the nurse, "None of my kids did this. This is what this kid did." And so, in the process over the next six weeks, what they essentially said is he was deaf, blind. He had seizures, he had a heart condition, he had severe allergies. Um, this wasn't your run-in-the-mill typical kit by any means. Um, and so we started seeing a process of many different doctors. And one of the doctors at CDRC said to us, I don't think he's going to make it past six months. I don't think if he does that he's ever going to walk, that he's going to run, that he's just, I want you to know this is what you're looking at.
When Rachel's weeping fills the skies, her innocent ones slaughtered like flies by petty kings with jealous knives. Midnight threatens to paint the hills in permanent despair, and it would have too, but for a star-shaped window in the firmament and a father's light pouring through. He stands there from his perch and whispers words, the most anticipated sentence ever heard, the fullness of time has come. And at that, giddy galaxies dance and run over Bethlehem skies where heaven's minstrels arise, singing joyous anthems improvised. He is here. He is here. Glory and peace. He is here. And shepherds and cherubim elbow the seraphim just to catch a glimpse of him. The emperor of the cosmos, the, the king of a billion suns, is before us, sleeping in a horse's breakfast. <laughs> and for the first time since Eden, men and angels stand together as brothers and raise a glass to the newborn Caesar. But an honor still higher awaits those who conspired over wax-fueled fires and sleepless Jerusalem nights. Anna and Simeon, faithful and frail, feeble and mostly blind, at last received destiny himself in their hands to be dedicated, consecrated, and celebrated. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared in their arms and swaddling clothes with a violent clash of hymns and prose, and the soul of man finally knows its incomprehensible worth because he came near, and his rule still advances, taming violent hearts with redemptive romances, leading us back, calling us home to the campfires of Eden. wasn't until I was 28 and my life was falling apart. Josh and Autumn were toddlers and I just felt really strongly impressed to buy a Bible. And when I opened it and read Genesis 1 and 2, I knew there was a God. I just knew it. And I knew he was my God. And I just read that Bible every moment that I could. And when I got to the Gospels, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in one sitting, sobbing, knowing that Jesus had died for me too. And we lived up in a country setting, so I started getting up early in the morning and walking in the forest. And I wanted, I just, my heart was swelling with love for God. And so the only thing I knew were Christmas carols. So they now made sense. And I would sing with all my heart to God. And my most favorite was, Oh, Holy Night. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. I felt like that weariness was lifted off me. And I just rejoiced and I would, I would walk among the pine trees and there was snow and stuff and I'd, I'd, when it would say fall on your knees, I'd just sing it as loud as I could and fall on my knees in the snow and just hold up my arms to God. And it was just so awesome to understand that what those carols that had touched my heart so many years before and all through the years really, really represented. This Christmas time, I needed not presents, I needed God to do something that was miraculous. I remember laying down on the floor of the cabin and saying, God, you gotta meet me here. We were just praying, there's a knock on the door. And here someone came and handed me a box of food. And I'm not often 
a loss of words. That's not one of my many problems. But I stood there with this box in my hand going, I, 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 I didn't know what to say. And I looked at the box and it was not just food, it was if I would have gone shopping, that's what I would have bought. I mean, the little special things that just we like. And God miraculously, then the fever broke and my son, someone come to talk to me, plot out my driveway for free. Someone handed us some money. And our Christmas uh, of 1972 was God sovereignly coming and saying, here, let me give you this Christmas present. He met every need we had supernaturally. So we came back to the house and started talking to people that we knew and we wrapped his crib in Christmas lights. We, um, everything was musical, every toy was musical, just trying to retrain his brain. And one night, um, and I'll never forget it, Wayne was putting together one of those motion um, light Christmas deers that it moves and that you put in the yard. So all the other kids were asleep Charlie was awake and he was, um, what, almost a year old? Um, and he was laying next to me as I was sitting on the couch and Wayne was working on the deer and so um, he asked me to plug it in to see if the lights work. So I plugged it in and Charlie turned to it. And so I said to Wayne, go over there and unplug it, plug it back in again. So he did. And Charlie moved and looked at the light again. And that's when we knew there was a miracle happening in this child. And, and um, he could see. I had Josh and Autumn when I was saved. And then I gave God permission to have as many children as he wanted me to have. Because now, instead of feeling like I didn't want to bring children into a hopeless world, I felt that they could be part of the hope of the world as they walked with him. So I went on to have 10 children, and each one of them is loving God, knowing he's their best friend, savior, and hope and purpose too. So I just, I just rejoice. So Charlie is now just turned 13 years old. He is talking about driving. He has autism, but he's an amazing little boy. So, or young man, I should say now. The beginning of a lifestyle of trusting God to meet our everyday needs. And now I can say 42 years later, it's been true. And we've had many more since then, um, in and out. And then we have the six that we adopted. They're all walking miracles, every single one of them should not be here. They're second, third, fourth generation of families using drugs and alcohol and being in the system. They literally should not be here, but they are, and they're survivors, and God has a big plan for them. So I'm just along for the ride.
so full of gratefulness for God and for all that he's given to us. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. They will call him Wonderful Counselor, <laughs> Prince of Peace and Mighty God. <laughs> I think that deserves a round of applause. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I think it comes as no surprise what the last song we get to sing together is, does it? I would love it if you guys would stand and sing it with me. We're going to sing Oh Holy Night. Oh, my God. 
before we leave, I think the question that we all have is, who, who am I? And that's a great question. And it leads to an even more important question, which is, who are you? And he answered that question. And he said, I am a father. And I sent my son so that you would know what it's like to be my child. So that you would know what it looks like to see a child loved by God and a child love his father. And Jesus said, you, you are my brothers and sisters. And Jesus said, I am making all things new. Behold, I have made all things new. And so when you ask the question, who am I? He says, you don't have to just ask me anymore, but you can ask your father. And we can hear the father say, you're my son. You're my daughter. You mean everything. In Psalms, David said, Lord, how are your thoughts towards me? They're like the sand on the seashore. If I could number These are his thoughts towards us. He's crazy about you. He's in love with you. And he wants you to know it. And Jesus came so that you can. So right now, if you don't know the answer to that question, I want you to turn your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, tell me the truth about me. I don't just need words. I need my heart to know the truth. And just turn your need to him and your desire to him because the Father himself, by virtue of the Holy Spirit, wants to answer that question. There's nothing else that's more important. He's a father. Maybe some of you have never encountered his love like this before. I just want to give an opportunity right now to say, if you're this kind of father, to know you and if that's you if you just want to turn your affection to him it's a great place to start you fit right in he's been waiting a long long time for this day if you're here today and you just want to turn your affection to him and say if this is true 
I'm interested. I want you to just raise your hand just as your own, just as your own step to know him. Maybe you already know him. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. I bless you in the name of Jesus, my Savior. I bless you in the name of my Father, the creator of the earth and your dad. And I pray that you would find in him every comfort, every reality, every peace, every satisfaction and contentment because he's done everything for you so that you can have him. And that's what he wants, is you. And he showed it in this way, that he sent his son to save us by not counting our sins against us, by not counting our sins against us. And so we can all come. Amen. I think you should hug each other. <laughs> Y'all are family. <laughs> oh, man. Wow.